Welcome to the Israel Conversation by the Massah Leadership and Impact Center. We are informally debating issues that concern Zionists about life, culture, and politics in Israel. Okay. Um, good evening, everybody. I am your host for the evening, Matthew Lippmann. I am joined on today's special edition on our bonus episode by Kalev Bendor and by Liel. Uh, Kalev, can you introduce yourself briefly, please? Hi, everyone. My name is Kalev Bendor. I studied international relations, always been into politics, history, Judaism, Zionism, etc. I moved to Israel in the end of 2005. I write and lecture about Israel, and I'm also one of the uh, Massa teachers. Thank you. And Liel, could you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, sure. I'm Liel. I'm originally from the United States and made Aliyah to Israel when I was very young. Um, grew up in Israel and spent a lot of time as an adult working in the Jewish world, whether in the U.S. and in Israel. I am a Massa teacher and a tour guide for many Massa programs as well. Okay, thank you. Matthew, you should introduce yourself. Okay, well. so I'm Matthew Levin. I'm from London originally. I'm currently a Massa teacher on many wonderful gap year programs. Uh, I also manage and send out the uh, the bulletins, the emoji uh, bulletins, if anybody's in that group, and they learn about Israel from my updates. Um, so this is a very challenging episode for us. This is our bonus episode. The format is going to be a little different from our, our regular, for those listeners who are used to our regular format, because tonight we've got three educators, myself, Kalev, and Liel. We've come together to discuss the tragic events of the last few days, as many of you, I'm sure, by now aware on uh, Shabbat morning, on Simchat Torah morning, um, on Saturday morning, there was um, uh, an invasion of a group of Hamas terrorists into southern Israel, um, which resulted in addition to that and uh, intense rocket fire still going on in Israel uh, and the death of over 900 people. Um, we believe there's about 150 hostages who are being currently kept in Gaza and thousands of people injured in what has become um, a national tragedy. Uh, the country is currently in a state of shock, despair, dismay, sadness, um, and anger. And uh, what we're here to do this evening is we're going to discuss as educators, how do we process this for ourselves? And how do we begin to help our students process the events? Now, obviously, we're right in the middle of those events. President Biden tonight addressed the United States and addressed the world. And of course, we also saw um, today the journalists were taken to the site of some of the kidnappings and some of the uh, the murders that took place. So we're really right in the middle of this. Just before we came on, my phone was buzzing with the Red Alert app. So we really are right in the middle of all of this. So how do we begin to process? And that's what we're going to discuss this evening. Liel, can we uh, start with you for some of your reflections, please? Yeah. I think, Matt, what you're saying about uh, being in a state of shock, being angry, being frustrated, um, it, those are all, um, I think, the feelings that most Israelis can relate to, including myself. I think one of the big things that sort of I've been talking about with friends and family is, is on one hand, it's a huge shock. And on the other hand, in some ways, we're on the other side of this, of this um, crystal ball. And it's like, wait a minute, was this actually a shock? Should we have known that this, something like this could happen? Um, I have uh, close close people to me who spent months, even years, on the border of Gaza five years ago, six years ago, ten years ago, who served in those very units that were 
um, completely wiped out by Hamas on Shabbat morning, on Saturday morning. And they look back at their army service and they ask themselves, but how could this be? I sat on the border and I went through this this up op- this theoretical operation that potentially right the worst case scenario the worst possible thing that that we could imagine i went through these scenarios with my soldiers i went through these scenarios with you know with uh, on the border you know the, the invasion of hamas terrorists that was all part of this protocol that was talked about and prepared for um and so many people are sort of asking themselves how how did this happen um is it, is it, are they better prepared? Are we less prepared? Um, was it just like a, a coincidence of all kinds of, you know, of just like the situation um, and just like the, you know, all the pieces kind of fell into into the place that they did for this. So I think it's like, there's a little bit of two sides of the coin here where it's on one hand, such a shock, such a shock, um, really the worst, the worst nightmare that Israel can uh, and has experienced to date. and and on the other hand, there's this like sort of internal feeling of, of a lot of questions, a lot of questions. And people are looking back not only at the last year of, of you know, government chaos and protests, but they're looking at the last 10 years, looking at the last 20 years, even before that, and asking themselves, how did we not see the signs? Were there signs? And if there were, right? And if there were, um, you know, how come we didn't pay enough attention to it? So that's where I am right at the moment. Right. So so I think that's very interesting. Now, thank you for the framing that you gave us at the beginning there, because I, I met with a couple of groups of students today, and they were asking me questions. Well, whose fault was this? And why did that happen? And how did that happen? Exactly as you were saying. And I said, we don't know. And now is not the time to ask in a way, right? Like, yes, it's the time to ask, but it's not the time for answers. And we know that uh, at some point there probably will be commissions of inquiry and that kind of thing. But right now, it's almost like the analysis, we, we, we can't do it right now, right? Like we, we just, it, it's coming from the gut rather than coming from the brain, I think, at the moment. Um, Kalev, can you share with us some of your uh, your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, well, well <clears throat> my first thought is that it's, it's just absolutely devastating and unbelievable, in fact. And I'll just, I'll just share one thing that when I turned my phone on after Shabbat, my mum had written to me, she said, I'm sure you heard the terrible news already, which I hadn't. So I went on to Times of Israel kind of with, with worry. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, what, what would be terrible news? Terrible news would probably be a big pigua, okay, like a big terror attack. But I don't, you know, Liel used the word nightmare. I don't think anyone in their wildest dreams or nightmares imagined what happened on Shabbat. So Firstly, I think I'm absolutely devastated and I'm still trying to get my head around it. And I just, I just add that there's going to be another podcast that goes along with this with our, with our colleagues, um, who are going to be talking about kind of what next, what forward. And, and they may well also be talking about how, which Leo touched on a lot of the assumptions we had over many years. What is Hamas? To what extent are they becoming more pragmatic? To what extent are they more focused on? establishing themselves in Gaza rather than genocidally killing us, etc. Um, many of those assumptions that the Israeli establishment had for many years now seemingly have, have kind of gone in the bin. And my personal feeling is, is that, and this may be an exaggeration, but when we look at the last several decades of Israel, when we when we look back on this, when we teach this, we will be able to, to divide this up 
into two parts, pre-October the 7th, 2023, and post-October the 7th, 2023, what was is no longer. And I think, you know, as educators, we don't, we, we are in a new era now, a post-October the 7th era. Um, and everything is up for grabs. All of our assumptions need to be reassessed. Um, so I think those are my, my primary feelings. And Matthew, I'd love to hear yours as well, but maybe you can also relate to a lot of the news kind of in America. We're saying, you know, this is Israel's Pearl Harbor. This is Israel's 9-11. Like, I'm wondering where that kind of meets you. Yeah, so those comparisons, when I first read them, I was like, oh, yeah, that one makes sense. Oh, yeah, that one makes sense. Oh, yeah, that one makes sense. And something we've talked about in, in our own conversations, and we've compared it to the, the Yom Kippur War, we compared it to 1948, and all the different major events in Israeli history. Like, yeah, it's like that. Oh, no, no, it's like that one, like that one. And then you kind of realize, well, maybe there's elements of each of those, right? Like the Yom Kippur one, because I think of when it took place um, on the morning of a Jewish festival, on the morning of a Shabbat, that was the first one that jumped to my mind. And I'll, I'll tell you, so on uh, Shabbat morning, um, I went to my, my wife went to synagogue ahead of me, um, and I went a bit later with one of my kids. And when I was walking with her, there were like these crazy booms, like boom, 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 because we live quite near a, one of the locations of the of the Iron Dome. So we heard the boom, boom, boom. And as we were walking, I stopped somebody who was like glued to his phone, like he was walking with his phone like this. And I asked him what was going on. And he started telling me stories. And I, I, I didn't believe him. I was like, oh, yeah, this must be rumors. This is one of those things. You can't, people are making this stuff up. There's no way that this happened. He was talking about kidnappings. He was talking about like people, like Hamas terrorists driving around Israel in Jeeps with machine guns. I was like, there's no way this happened. What, what is this guy smoking? Um, and then when I got to shore, Everybody was sitting there. Well, there wasn't that many people there to begin with. But when I got there, there was like just like this stunned. Everyone was stunned. And nobody really knew what was happening. And people were coming in. Oh, yeah, they'd spoken to their neighbor who had told them something. Or somebody else had walked past a neighbor on his way and, and, and heard something on the radio. And But it was always trying to sort of gather information, all the little pieces of a puzzle and, and stick it together. But nobody knew what the picture was meant to look like. And so I was sitting there and I said to one of my friends, I said, do you think this is what 73 felt like? Do you think this is what it felt like? Like we were sitting there, we didn't know what was happening, right? And that was that first piece. But then as things developed, and, and as you say, after Shabbat, when the picture became much clearer, um, then it was like, okay, well, where does this fit for us as as Jews and in our own state? And as And as an educator, you know, for the last however many years, I've been telling my students that one of the uh, most important uh, fundamental ideas of the Jewish state is this is where Jews can take care of Jews. Like we're not relying on anybody else to take care of us. We're not relying on anybody else for our safety. We're not... Yeah, pogroms don't happen here. Yeah, that's it, right? Pogroms don't yeah. happen here. We're not calling the New York Police Department to come and stand guard outside our synagogues. We don't have shootings like they do in like Philadelphia or, or Pittsburgh, excuse me, the synagogue there. And suddenly, as you say, Kalev, you're like, hang on a minute. Uh, today I walked into class. I was like, hey, all the things I've been saying just don't seem relevant anymore. They don't seem true anymore. And as an educator, right. like, ah, where does this fit? And students are asking all sorts of wonderful questions, which maybe our, our colleagues, as you mentioned, will address in, in, a, in a later episode. But things like, is this going to co cause World War III? I said, I have no idea. 
I, 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 a, it's too early to tell. B, I don't know because I didn't live as old as I am. I didn't live during the beginning of the first uh, two world wars. Um, I've no idea. But people have really asked these questions: Is this the precursor to a, another world war? I don't know. Is it more relevant to something like nine uh, eleven? Uh, I don't know. And, and I think it's important to use those examples because those are things which people relate to. And as educators, our job is to try to make sense of events and to make them relatable. The problem is, of course, personally, I'm finding it impossible to make sense for myself. So how do I then walk into a classroom and say, okay, guys, this is how to make sense of it when I, I feel like I'm, I'm struggling myself. Yeah, well, that's kind of also why we're doing this as a bonus episode, right? Because we're kind of sharing as individuals we're going through this in the midst of it all, but then also trying to sort of kind of pick out certain ideas that that we can maybe bring some clarity to. And I and I just wanted to mention about, you know, relating it back to 9-11 or relating it to, I don't know, Pearl Harbor or relating it to um, even, even Yom Kippur War, right? I think um, one of the things that stood out to me in the in the in the relating and the comparison that people were making was that Pearl Harbor took place in one section of the United States, right? Uh, line 11 took place in one section of the United States. And although there were various different there was information that was building up to that those moments and it it was, you know, one of these kind of what I said before, if if you Ha- if you saw the world in a certain way and you were looking at the world in a certain way, maybe you would have expected it. Um, and even even then it would have been a surprise. Um, and it's sort of one of those big shocks that you look back and you're like, ah, okay, well, maybe now I can sort of follow the pieces. But the thing about Israel and the thing about this event is that it's not, I mean, obviously it's taking place in one specific place in the country, right? Um, there were in Hamas terrorists all over the state of Israel uh, going around, you know, massacring everyone. It, it was in one particular location, but Israel's such a small country. And so if you lived in California in 9-11, it's not that you weren't shocked. Of course, you were shocked, but you may have not necessarily known someone or been connected to anyone on a personal level that experienced that or that was, you know, part of that. Um, and I think that that's something for me that makes this really different than those things that came before where it's like, no, this this really is a collective experience in, in a very real way. And when you compare it, obviously, to those examples. And then something that I want to say about 73, because a lot of people are making those comparisons. Hey, can I, I, can I know, just I say, think, oh, yeah, do you sure. mind if I just, I just want to, because it's yeah. really relevant to what you're saying. And then if you don't mind, but um, this idea, because as you said, like people serve in the army from all over the country and we're down there. And people were all over from all over the country at the festival where unfortunately many people lost their lives. So th- this for me kind of like, and as we get more of the names, we begin to see more connections of people that we know or people that we know that knew people and things like that. To me, th- I just want to share this anecdote and it feels like this is the right place to share it because of what you just said, Leah. Um, just before we started recording, I was out with my uh, with my daughter. We were walking the dog. And while we were walking the dog, this guy is walking his dog with a much younger child than, than my daughter. Um, he's walking with her and their dog and the dogs start, you know, like dogs do, they start sniffing each other's uh, tushies and, and whatever. So, uh, you know, start talking to the guy. I said, hi. I'm curious and, where the story is going, Matthew, but okay. <laughs> and and, and, and uh, unfortunately, it's going to a sad place. But, um, and I said to him, hi. And I said to him in Hebrew, how are you? He said, I'm not doing so great. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, we're, we're all feeling that, right? None of us are doing great right now. I guess, well, my brother-in-law was killed on Saturday. I was like, oh, 
okay, I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, and I said, who, 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 who's your brother-in-law? And he told me the name. Um, the name was Shach uh, Machluf, and, and he's from Modian. And I, I didn't know this, this soldier personally, but the, the Modian um, municipality, I live in Modian, so the Modian municipality has been publishing the names of all of our soldiers, and we've lost like 10 soldiers so far, um, publishing the names of all of the soldiers who passed away. So I, as soon as I heard the name, I was like, oh, I, I, I saw the notices, I'm so sorry, da, da, da. And then I said to him, listen, do you need help? I can come to make up a minion at the Shiva. Can we bring your family a meal? He's like, trust me, that is more than taken care of. He's like, this is like living in a, in a kibbutz. That is, we, we don't know what to do with all the food. We've got too many people coming to the prayer services. Thank you so much. But, um, but it was crazy to me. Like I'm literally outside my house walking a dog and it happens to be that the person I run into is, you know, the, the brother-in-law of someone who passed away on, uh, in battle on Shabbat. So I think that really speaks to this idea that there's connections everywhere, right? And that's that that that's the nature of this country. Sorry, you were gonna say something about Yom Kippur War. No, it's okay. I want to actually uh I'm interested to hear what you have to comment. I think the, the 70, you know, let's let's leave 9-11 and, and Pearl Harbor um aside. Um although I think the thing about 9-11 is is the trauma. Okay, that the trauma remains from 9-11. And it was, I think, and I'm, as you may be able to hear, I'm not American, but it was this sudden discovery by many people of, wow, there are people who hate us and they hate us so badly and they can be extremely cruel. Now, I'm not sure, obviously Israelis know that we are surrounded by enemies who hate us, but I think that the 9-11 comparison is useful because I, I think this is going to be a trauma for decades. Um, and it is a reminder of Israelis of who we are facing. I think the 73 comparison is very useful in the, term, in the sense of the intelligence failure. That how could such a large thing have been missed? And it's still unclear whether it was missed by the intelligence services or it was missed by the government that were more interested in doing other things. But 73 doesn't quite cut it. And this is something that we as educators have also been discussing between ourselves, because in 73, the fighting is in Sinai and, and, and on the Golan. It's not in Yishuvim, it's not in people's homes within sovereign Israel. The fighting within people's homes is a 48 model. It's not a 73 mm -hmm. model. And the destruction of communities and, listen, uh, are people going to move back to um to, to Berry and and um it's or are these kibbutzim basically gone from the map? Um that is a 1948 model. But it's not even that. And I'm one of those people who who doesn't think that, that the word Nazi should be really it's, it's unhelpful to use it. So I don't even know if we, we should kind of go to Second World War stuff, but the idea of Jews hiding in their cellars while murderous people look for them. And then when they mm -hmm. find them, they line them up and do absolutely terrible things to them is something that, you know, and this is something that Matthew said earlier, this was something that Israel was supposed, you know, when we said never again, one of the con contexts of Zionism was we have a state that this will not happen. So in some ways, other people talked about, you know, the massacre in Kishinev, I think it's 1903. We have, I think one of the reasons why this is so hard for us to get our heads around is it 
We have an intelligence failure on the lines of 73. We have a trauma on the lines of 9-11. We have a fighting within sovereign Israel in, in, in the model of 48. And we have things pre 48 whether we want to go World War II or pogroms or whatever it is. This is a multifaceted event that touches on, in some ways, all of the darkest things of Jewish history and something that Israel was supposed to Again, Israel doesn't solve Jew hatred. It was supposed to solve the idea of, you know, dummy hudi and have care, like Jewish blood is not cheap. But on Shabbat, Jewish blood was cheap. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think we, we're also still trying to get our heads around that. So I think the, my personal opinion is the comparison thing is, is super interesting, but comparisons work until they don't. In some ways, this is a multifaceted comparison that we need to be giving. But I, I think what you said, Kalev, is really interesting because, yes, that's maybe one of the reasons why it's so complicated for us and so difficult for us to understand, right? Because we're there's so many different strands to this. On the other hand, it can also help us, at least as educators, to make it relatable, right? So uh, it makes it more confusing for us as individuals, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, because there's so many la- layers and levels to it. But if you Think about it to to explain it to students. Okay, well, this is what it was like. This example works here, and this comparison works here. And then you understand how difficult it is because it doesn't fit one model absolutely, completely like you were just describing. But all the different examples and the way you pulled out those themes of each of those events, I thought to me, I'm like sitting there, oh, great, I've got to take notes on this. This is really helpful because it works. And, and, And again, I feel like one of our primary jobs is to say, okay, here's something impossible to understand but we're going to try our best and and i think that helps there um yeah i I was going to say first of all that you said it way better than i ever could and it's definitely what i wanted to share about the 73 comparison um but i want to add on that matthew something that you were saying about how we can see right now in the media um and around the world how many countries and how many leaders and how many people and just in general celebrities celebrities that i would never imagine would stand up for israel in such a in such a dominant way um it just goes to show you that all the elements of the events that you that you described they they're they're human right like in some ways it's so hard to relate and understand what this is like matt said but in some ways it's really not because it has all those facets and because it's connected a little bit to the Holocaust and a little bit to the 73 and 48, and, and all of a sudden it's it's something that every human can understand and connect to. It's not complicated. It's simple. And I think right now what we're seeing in the world, the response, at least right now, the response of the world sort of mirrors that. Like this can be understood as 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 as, as crazy as it is. It's like so clear what it is. There's a clip that's going around of, uh, of Bono from U2. That was uh, he sang a song uh, in honor of the of the people who died. And at, at the beginning, he says of the clip, um, he says uh, there were people like us. They loved music, and they were experimental, and they were at festivals. They were just like us. And, and to me, that's uh, you, you mentioned that there's certain celebrities you wouldn't think of necessarily going around touting sort of Israel. Bono is certainly not someone I would have pegged as someone doing something like that. But, but there he is, and he and he speaks to these people as people, right? Exactly, and uh, may, maybe that's why it's garnered so much uh, attention because it's very human. And, and 
one of the crazy things, I mean, I, I don't want to get into too much detail, but for some of our listeners may have seen some of the horrific images that were coming out um, over the weekend of some of the people who were being taken away, kidnapped, those sorts of things. And you're looking at these pictures and you're like, oh my God, like, really? Like, how is this happening? How is this happening to Jews in the state of Israel? How is this happening to any human being? Right? I, I, I saw one, um, I saw the picture of, of the 85-year-old woman who was a Holocaust survivor who'd established this kibbutz. And to me, and mom, if you're listening, I know you're not 85, but uh, I was just thinking, well, this woman looks like my mom. Like, and, you know, what would my mother do in this situation? What would I do in this situation with my mother? And then you see the kids being taken, and then you see the teens who are basically like, you know, the age of our students. Like everybody is relatable in some way or another, right? And 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 it's just it, it's horrible. So, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to take us to that direction, but it. Yes. So I, I don't dis, I don't disagree with your point on that. If I wanted to be cynical, I would quote the title of a book by Dara Horn. You know what mm -hmm. I'm referring to? Yeah. Yeah, I thought about that yesterday as well. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's been going through my head like the yeah. last three days. Yeah. Yeah. People love dead Jews. Totally. Do you know what they don't love? They don't love powerful Jews who use yep. force to defend themselves. Yep. And, you know, we're recording this on, on Wednesday evening. Um, Israel has called up its reserves. It's, it's on the border with Gaza. I'm sure our colleagues in the other podcast will talk about where next. I'm very uh, concerned about a, a ground uh, incursion. Um, I think it might be exactly what Hamas uh, wants, um, but we'll see. But there will come a time now the world is with us because we were slaughtered. But the question will also be when Israel, and Israel already has, but when Israel starts using more force in order to defend itself, will those same people be with us then? And that is an open question. Yeah, I, I think that's a very important point um as mm -hmm. well so we've um we've covered some important ground here um I, i'm still confused i'm still feeling the feelings i was feeling when we came on but i've certainly uh appreciated seeing it through some lenses and some ideas which have been offered by liel and kalev i i it's helped me uh personally and i hope it's helped some of our listeners to also be able to frame it in ways that while not making sense might help push a little bit in that towards that direction of making sense because i think we've all got a lot of healing to do and it's going to be a long process and uh, you both mentioned the word trauma before and i think this is a big trauma that we're going to have to take a long time Absolutely. as a country to 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 work through um but by talking about it and having these conversations together i hope that gives us a little bit of hope and and our um our listeners a little bit of uh, support as well and yeah we we hope you uh, we hope this has been useful to everybody and um we hope you'll tune in to listen to what our colleagues have to say when they publish their ideas about where this is going to happen. So with that, we will wish our listeners a good evening, a safe evening. I'm uh, Yisrael Chai, and Toda Liliel, and Toda Lekalev. Thanks, Matt. Good to chat. Thank you. You've been listening to the Israel Conversation by the Massa Leadership and Impact Center. In everything we do, we hope to connect our fellows to Israel as home, that our Massa fellows will feel at home in Israel and understand more about Israel and all of its diversity. We connect our fellows to Jewish peoplehood, 
to feel an affinity for Judaism and a sense of belonging to the Jewish people. The connection is active and meaningful in their lives. And finally, personal development. And in the case of this podcast, our goal is that you'll be able to use the tools and learning for reflection and future development in conversations about Israel and Judaism. If this episode is meaningful to you, please subscribe and share with somebody that you think it will be meaningful to.